Welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. I am a person stuck inside like everybody else. Um, I am a podcast host, pop culture commentator, accidental entrepreneur, you know, writer. I wrote a book called Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. I dabble here and there. It's not important. Uh, This podcast is largely a pop culture podcast that is both current and, and nostalgic in that I like to talk about a lot of the detail that I think often gets missed in terms of people talking about the millennial ethos. And yeah, we talk about, you know, the big celebs and the Kardashian Jenners and Taylor Swift and all those things that are pretty mainstream, but also like, I don't know, I want to talk about the ins and outs of digging your way through a Marshalls or a TJ Maxx, you know, <laughs> like this to me, is, these are elements of like pop culture and elements of our, our, our life that are funny to analyze that I don't think are totally that disconnected from what we would define as, um, you know, sign of the times uh, culture wise. And thank you for being here in these difficult times. But sometimes the best we can do is to distract ourselves. I, for one, cannot meditate and clear my head. So I just completely pay attention to something else and pretend like the other thing's not happening. You know, the healthy way. It means a lot to me that you are listening. Um, This podcast is about two years old. If you're new, we have millions of downloads at this point, which is so crazy to even say. And yeah, anyways, let's just uh, have fun. I don't want to like trivialize or over, you know, pretend like nothing's happening. But I don't know. Sometimes I think it's better to, um, you know, separate and just have fun when you can. And this episode is certainly not deep. That's for sure. And also that song choice at the beginning. That is just like my that song makes me so happy. It's so California vibes. It's so Kristen, Talon, Alex and the gang walking in their jean skirts to go get an ice cream cone and talk shit about Elsie and Stephen. And I just, it brings me a lot of joy. I hope it brought you some sunshine too. But yeah, today's a bunch of fun, like kind of current stuff, some nostalgic stuff. As a reminder, you know, obviously when I, I like to crowdsource so I can represent multiple viewpoints. Otherwise it's so specific to my like middle-class suburban experience. And I know, you know, me making fun of like, you know, a Marshall's brand is like ridiculous and coming from a place of like privilege period. But I just am, you know, trying to like be lighthearted and talk about something that I feel like it's fairly universal, you know, such as discount shopping or obsessing over what the pockets looked like of denim when we were younger. <laughs> but yeah, a big inspiration for this, too, is like how badly I want to be in an actual store right now. I used to, you know, two weeks ago, I wouldn't only online shop. I hated shopping. Now, how much fun does it sound to peruse? It kind of like bar carte blanche. It's kind of grounded in somebody brings up one thing to me and I spiral. And the one thing brought up to me was how what if, like a status symbol, like jean pockets were at a point in time. So this episode roughly covers a bunch of different topics from like 2000 to 2005 uh, when I, you know, after I turned 13 through high school and what I thought like defined a popular girl, what I thought were like status symbols as it relates to clothes. And I tell a story about my favorite pair of jeans in my youth that completely turned on me and tell one of the most embarrassing stories of my life that doesn't sound that embarrassing, but I will show you a video. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoy. Thank you for being here. Take care of yourselves and uh, I'll catch you on the other side. Bye. Oh, my goodness. What a time to be alive. Uh, You know, it's Tuesday, March something. Dates, times, not really important right now, which is crazy. Uh, And, you know, I can I feel like sometimes I'm like in a eh, or bad mood and then I'll like be a little too sharp of the tongue on the podcast and I'll feel bad about it. I'm not in the best mood today. I think we're all very up and down, but I'm going to try to like temper it because 
I do feel like there's a remarkable amount of negativity in terms of how people are sharing content. And I do, if anything, want people to use this time to experiment, A, to distract themselves, B, to like fill their souls, um, and C, to get to test and learn a little bit in some arenas they maybe haven't been able to be as active in before because there was the barrier to entry of time. And if everyone's just complaining about lives and you know, doing these like, like happy hours on Zoom or having too much content and podcasting or TikToking or whatever the hell it is. Everyone seems to be like frustrated with content inundation when your consumption of it is optional. And also, I think it's kind of great for people to experiment, right? And, and then moving forward, when things are back to normal, refine what they do based on what worked and what didn't. I just thought, you know, I try to be mindful of not ever discouraging somebody who's starting something new. I think that's the key. If you're well-established and you know, a few isolated opinions aren't going to change your trajectory. It's one thing. But I think when you're putting yourself out there anytime, it's hard and it requires a level of bravery and I'm into it. So shout out to all of you uh, getting yours, even though we feel like we are getting nothing in terms of information or where we really are in all of this. <laughs> I only two things I'll complain about because, you know, I respect everybody's journey except exceed Demelius. <laughs> I'm kind of kidding. I know she's only 18, but she just got thir uh, 16 million followers. Did not care. Is posting videos trying less hard than ever. Her parents baked her a cake um, that had a 16 on it. And it was kind of dark and sad and momagery in a way I didn't like of like, I don't know, you're your youth. You're, when you're in high school, you should be celebrating like, you know, homecomings and proms and sweet 16s and academic and sports accomplishments but like to bake someone a cake over followers was a level of dark i wasn't ready for and she seriously gave zero f's um and charlie was just like yay and i almost was like do the parents feel as though they need to make dixie feel better because charlie has 40 million followers and she has a, a measly 16 which like just to remind you nobody will ever like most people will never ever see that that is huge and she truly doesn't it, when i say doesn't do anything like actually she doesn't even talk to the camera like it's either just like being like, yeah, I'm a horrible dancer, lip syncing to like a song or spoken thing or just like fake dating some dude in one of like the Sway House or the Hype House. It's it's truly a level of brilliance in terms of milking the system that I respect. But also it's a frustrating tale of the importance of quality as it relates to the quantity of your audience. Right. And I don't want young people to think that that's your route. That wouldn't work without Charlie anchoring it in her dancing. Anyways, I was I said I wasn't going to talk about Dixie. One last TikTok hang up. Um, if anybody wants to know, like, who maybe Patient Zero is in the greater Los Angeles area, look no farther than Addison Ray, who is 10 days behind on, like, the uh, self, you know, social distancing and uh, just general societal agreement that we're all not going to be above the rules and minimize our social interactions. Oh, God, no. She's been at David Dobrik's, at Jason Derulo's. She was at twitch and allison holker's house i expected better from them she's with other youtubers james charles like for i was i was in full lockdown mode just watching her dance extremely closely to other people because in a uh, you know a, a six sixteen nine nine sixteen whatever uh ratio iphone to work on you know for the image to work on tiktok you have to be very close to the person you can't social distance to a degree unless you're incredibly staggered which you know, not every situation lends itself to. And I, for one, was just so incredibly frustrated watching those kids parade around when everybody else was trying to be responsible and get the messaging out there. But the people whose voices are the loudest are these types of influencers. 
And like, didn't the Surgeon General or something ask Kylie to say something? They should be asking TikTokers because they were just carrying on as usual till maybe three to five days ago. Uh, and that, that the, I feel like the first week we did this, they really were just, you know, at the In-N-Out Burger, all like wearing the hats, breathing each other's air, animal style, tongue out, you know, surfs up, hand symbol. What's the hand symbol with just the pinky and the index finger? They do that a lot with their tongues out. I know with the thumb, it's I love you, but also conspiracy theorists are like, that's a sign of the devil. And I'm like, also it's I love you in sign language. I mean, like, <laughs> I'd maybe pick the latter. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, anyways, they are, they, they are interesting. The other thing bothering me incessantly are foreign memes that just are the same joke regurgitated over and over. And I think I just personally get jealous and frustrated when things that just aren't are such low hanging fruit and have already been said a million times get like millions of likes. And I'm like, I just are you actually laughing out loud? I, memes in general aren't my aren't my jam. Uh, I won't even get into that because, again, I'm not trying to insult content. I want everybody to do what they need to do in this time to uh, move forward more fearlessly. Especially because I, for one, am not I'm very rarely talking about anything that objectively seems respectable or interesting. But you have to kind of like dive into it to uh, <laughs> get on board. And I don't know, I'm excited because I feel like I have so much to say today. And I just am so excited to talk uh, with friends. <laughs> and uh, even though I, you know, you're not here, I know you're here. And um, I'll try to take breaths. Sometimes when I edit out like the breathing and stuff and I will put you know clip pauses just to make it go a little faster it sounds like i'm on you know i'm on something but i promise i my cadence is slower <laughs> in real life today if you'll let allow me i just want to do a classic be there in five old school style episode monologue and we'll see where it takes us and i'm not going to overthink the topics the organization or you know whatever sometimes i really overthink these and get mad at myself for going on on so many tangents but sometimes it's really fun and you just like don't even know what's going to come up so i'm i'm excited let's just uh have fun you know even if sometimes you're like get back to your point i'll get there eventually just you know be patient with me we've nowhere to be <laughs> but yeah in a question box instagram a couple weeks ago somebody just said something offhanded that i just that stuck with me that i thought was funny in terms of can you analyze how like the back pockets of jeans kind of you know dictate your social status and i was like oh my god uh, yeah a pockets much and also i had a dream last night um that like i was a teenager and i had a live show but my mom like changed the location to be in a macy's and it was in the contemporary section and i was like mom i don't want to have it at a macy's she was like it's better than dillard's i was like fair and then I was like, can we at least have it in the junior section? And she's like, I, it's next to Liz Claiborne. It's tasteful. And I was like, oh, my God. And I did a meet and greet next to a bunch of mannequins. And it was a mixture of girls on my old volleyball team and like my some of my peers now. And like everyone had an awful time. And like one girl told me I was funnier online. And another her friend that I up two people I didn't know told me that I was better looking online. <laughs> and then I woke up and I was like, what the hell was that? It was some like freaky, weird quarantine age dream I did not need to have. But I, when I tell you I'm having the weirdest effing vivid dreams, I wake up in the morning and I've just been like, like full sweat, just been through a really extensive, stressful situation that's relevant enough to my life to make me panic, but weird enough to be like, oh, I was dreaming. I would, I would never sequester myself to the contemporary section. But that's not even the point. So I've been having dreams about like being a teenager. And I was also thinking too about like 
kind of in the early 2000s, the turn of the millennium and how that like seemed like this big, crazy, unexpected thing. But a lot of people were like fearful of and I, I don't know. So anyways, I have a lot of different thoughts I'll kind of weave through, but we're just going to like we're just going to go here. I get excited when I feel like I have a moment of clarity and I can remember things well. And I love when somebody brings up something that sparks a lot of memories. And the funny thing I was thinking about, you know, I, you know, talk about mental health here and there. Um, in seventh grade, I was just thinking about this. I was out of class for like three weeks or something. So I had this horrible stomach ache. And like, I remember I, I had to get like, I had to get so many tests on. I had an ultrasound. Like I went to all these doctors. My parents were like concerned. And I had an epiphany in recent years. I was like, I think that was anxiety. It, it never occurred to anybody to like ask me how I would like not, not to no fault of my parents or anything. I just think then mental health wasn't as big of a conversation with kids. Um, but I honestly think that I was sick to my stomach because I was, I think I was having trouble in some subjects. I think I was having trouble fitting in. I think that's when girl drama really starts. And, and now that I know I'm a highly sensitive person, it makes sense. But like, I just am really hypersensitive to conflict. Um, and yeah, the politics of it all, like really used to stress me out. And, uh, I just wanted to say that in case anybody has like young kids, I think sometimes that is overlooked as, you know, you think about the thing that hurts, not maybe the root cause of what could be making that hurt sometimes. And like, you know, it just you don't know what something is until it's explained to you. And it's kind of like you don't know what heartburn is. I'm like, well, what does that feel like? I need it explained to me. And, I, and just in case, you know, something to consider, sometimes anxiety really does impact your stomach. And I just, I don't think I knew how to articulate it. Because uh, at a point, I think I just dropped it. I was like, I don't want to go to more doctors. I don't really know why I don't feel good. But it would kind of go away now and again. And I didn't want to say I was nervous because that just, you know, or it seems like butterflies or something mild. But now, as an adult, I still get that same sensation or feeling where you actually do feel quite sick. But it, it's not because you have a tummy ache, right? Anyway, and more fun things. I've just been thinking of so many things. Like yesterday, I posted that pillow where that everybody had in the early 2000s that, you know, if you got stuck with it at a sleepover, you're definitely bottom of the barrel friend wise, just super low priority. If you didn't get like real linens, uh, it, it was like a cylindrical, almost lumbar pillow that had the external material of like a book sock, like a spandex and the internal beans of uh, the bean bag persuasion. I find found them very uncomfortable. A lot of people messaged me saying, I still sleep with those. And I was like, oh, shit, I thought this was like a throwback. I didn't know people were still using these. Felt kind of bad. Uh, I, I just, yeah, my time at sleepovers, you know, I just felt like those were, I'm just like, can I get a real pillow for the love of God? Uh, but, you know, I was in, in more into a four to six person sleepover. I had to establish the terms of the Apple nightclub over pizza and Dr. Pepper. When we got to eight people, it was a little overwhelming for me. And then at eight people, that's also a sleepover where they tell you to bring your sleeping bag, which you know is bad news. Too many cooks in the kitchen. You're going to end up sleeping under the stars, but it's like on the trampoline and half of your body is going to be on one of the coils and you will be scared all night. Your hair will get trapped in it. And also I still like I every town is a phantom kid who broke their neck on a trampoline. So I'm forever in fear of getting double bounced. And every college has a rumor that if you get hit by a bus, your tuition's paid for. You know, I love these like suburban legends, if you will. Uh, but beyond that, why did I bring that up? Oh, because I posted on Instagram today. And sorry to anybody I offended who uses those pillows. I also wanted to encourage anybody who's feeling, you know, I kind of regress to like a child version of me when I'm feeling unsure. It's kind of the buttered noodles sensation, you know. 
I'd encourage anybody to do what you did on a sick day in, you know, elementary, middle school, which is of is of the most comfort in terms of you bring a bed pillow. You bring not a throw blanket, a full comforter, like a full stuffed oversized comforter that has no business on a sofa. Uh, it really is an aesthetic eyesore for everyone. And you camp out and lay on the sofa and make it into a bed and watch TV. Pretend it's you when you're young and you were allowed to stay home and you've relished in the joy of not being at school and you watch Nick Jr. and you make your way through Blue's Clues and Gullah Gullah Island in Allegra's window. I could also F with some Franklin. He was, seemed like a nice guy, or turtle rather, and oh, who's he was voiced by the uh, uh, guy in Schitt's Creek, not David, David's fiance, Patrick. Isn't that crazy? He was the voice of Franklin the turtle. Uh, but it's just something I've been doing lately and it's bringing me comfort. And I wanted to offer the same to you. You know, I think in the nineties, we've talked about this, how throw blankets weren't really a thing. It was pretty much you used whatever person's old comforter that they grew out of from when they were younger. There was like your brother's faded into turtle comforter, or maybe when he got a little bit more mature, uh, you know, a tartan before he just graduated to a solid Navy at a point. Uh, we all, I, I spent a lot of my childhood under a comfort on a couch and it's just, it's something, it's a simple thing I really enjoy. Wanted to pass it on. I'm sure this, that was groundbreaking for everyone. So where were we? Yes, I was taken back with this jean pocket comment because I had this favorite pair of jeans by LEI, lowercase LEI, L period, E period, I period, stood for life, energy, intelligence, obviously all the things that I was emitting with these medium wash, low rise flares. What do you think is the opposite of a cliffhanger? <laughs> it's a weird stopping point talking about my uh, LEIs. Anyway, our uh, sponsor, one of our sponsors today is Liquid IV. I'm excited to work with them. I'm, as much as I can, I want to work with brands that are helpful and adding value during this odd time. And I think especially since we're being uh, more diligent about our health, this is super important in terms of staying hydrated. I told you last time that one stick is in 16 ounces of water, hydrates you two to three times faster and more efficiently than water alone. It's like a hydration multiplier, if you will. Uh, you get the added bonus of vitamin C, B3, B5, B6, and B12. And if you're uh, dehydrated, it's really kind of just the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. But what I didn't tell you about them, which I love um, in an effort to support brands that are doing good things, uh, they've donated. 2 million servings to date to places like Haiti, Uganda, Puerto Rico, Nepal. With each purchase you make, Liquid IV donates a serving to someone in need around the world. That's pretty incredible, not only for the vitamin nutritious value, but obviously we're blessed to even have water that's easy to come by. And in the event of being able to multiply and more effectively hydrate individuals, that's so incredible. And um, it's the fastest growing wellness brand for a reason. You can find them at Costco, Whole Foods, non-GMO, vegan, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. And, you, you know, I burst into laughter last time because I was trying to tell you that they help prevent muscle fatigue. But I know you guys know that I don't fatigue my muscles, but I know so many of you are walking a ton right now. Uh, I know a lot of people marathon train. A lot of people listen while they work out. And I hope we're all like moving and staying active in our homes. And they help fuel workouts and they promote healthy post-workout recovery, especially with the five essential vitamins. And it's just healthier than traditional sugary sports drinks. I think for me, too, I, I definitely get like the 3, 4 p.m. desk headache. And I'm like, what on earth is that? Poor me. But it's like, well, no, you're addicted to caffeine and you haven't had a, like a sip of water all day. 
And it definitely helps me feel better in the afternoon, especially when I'm crashing. So I'm a huge fan. And you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code be there and five at checkout. Just how the show is spelled F-I-V-E, not the number. That's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Just go to liquidiv.com and enter promo code be there and five to save 25% and get better hydration. That's liquidiv.com promo code be there in five. Don't wait and start properly hydrating today. What's funny is I put up like my I like propped my iPad. It has a ton of storage and I'm just like recording myself talking as I podcast in case I can use the footage. But like I'm looking at myself. I don't I'm not Joe Rogan and people don't need this footage. I'm not talking to anybody. If anything, it's probably disturbing to have people watch me talk to myself. I truly never can decide if this is like an admirable skill or some like a truly alarming behavior to be able to talk to nobody. Anyways, I was talking about my jeans, specifically my LEI jeans that I loved so much. L period, E period, I period, life, energy, intelligence, obviously all the things I was emitting while wearing these. With these medium wash, low rise flares. I remember when I tried them on at Kohl's, they fit my body perfectly. I, I was having more trouble buying clothes in these days because of my height. My jeans were never long enough. I was always cutting the seams out. These pants were my everything. Oh my gosh, I freaking... Love in early 2000s Kohl's. I really do. I don't really shop there anymore, but where else can you get like back to school clothes, uh, a spatula, the latest accessories, and like a bike pump? You know, <laughs> they've really got it all. I mean, let's be honest, when it comes to Kohl's, like Ann Klein runs that town, you know? <laughs> like, who's Ann Klein? What's her deal? why is she the official gift of like the gift nobody knows what to give you so they give you like a really petite watch with like her you know lion logo on it from Kohl's you know I'm sure she's lovely I'm sure she's best friends with Liz Claiborne somewhere it's just like there's so much Anne Klein stuff at Kohl's there are also a lot of like I'm using air quotes celebrity brands where they're licensing their name and they most certainly are not signing off on these designs and they most certainly don't shop at these stores and it's always really random like I don't know. It's like, oh, oh, handbags by Alicia Keys. Like, oh, Alicia Keys, you're making handbags now? <laughs> like, what? I, I, I guess it's on brand because, like, your song, no one is going to be buying them. You know, God bless. She's very talented. I just don't know why she needs to make handbags. Anyway, I, I, I love places like Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Ross Dressfields. I have a pulse. Uh, and a big reason why I love them is because I don't understand the, diff- like, the brand diffusion lines there. And I'm always trying to figure out, like, you know, Vince Camuto, what's your deal? How, how am I buying a soap dispenser from you, but also, like, allegedly, you know, fine jewelry? I, I who, who, like, you know, he kind of sounds hot. He sounds hotter than, like, Perry Ellis. Like, who's that guy? He makes very boxy men's clothing. Similarly, you know, everything is branded at, like, Marshall's Kenneth Cole reaction. And I'm like, dude. Your margins must be suffering. For 20 years, you've carried Marshalls on your back. And like, spoiler alert, Kenneth Cole, nobody's reacting. (laughs) Who's buying that? And I'm not better than any of this. Don't get me wrong. I just mean like the price point isn't that low. And I don't really get like what his brand is or or like who he's supposed to be. And and please fill me in if I'm missing something. And uh, honestly, guys, I just am fantasizing about shopping at discount stores because I want to leave my house. So please spare me if, you know, I understand I'm I grew up in a, a, a privileged if I could pass such judgments on discount store diffusion lines. Uh, but, you know, let's just if anything, I want this podcast to feel as uh, joyful and transcendental as a trip to Marshall's, you know, 
uh, I'd say Kohl's in the, in the early 2000s, but now Kohl's doesn't really do it for me in the same way that uh, Marshall's does. I'm a Marshall stand over a TJ Maxx. TJ Maxx is fine, but I find Marshall's to be less organized, which I like. I like the hunt, and I know that's insane, and I don't really like to shop in stores, but Marshall's has more gems. TJ Maxx is more organized, so therefore people find the good stuff easily. You need disorganization at these stores because stuff is buried that is... You, you find gems in a sea of pyrite. Every once in a while, you'll come across an amulet in the form of some really high-end skincare that is leaking, but it doesn't matter because I couldn't afford it normally. I live for that sticky, sticky shelf of high-end skincare. I live for a Korean face mask that I cannot read the directions for. I want my aisles to have stray pillowcases. I, you know, want there to be a concerning amount of plush robes that seems to never turn over. I honestly, like, if a third of the store isn't dedicated to luggage. I'm not interested. I want a ton of like gross flavored curry cups from brands I've never heard of that are definitely expired. I want an entire aisle de dedicated to just like exotic olive oils that again, why would I buy something I ingest at a Marshall's outside of the veggie chips I do buy when there's a long line? Because what are you going to do? I also get a Sprite. There's exhausted and then there's like a long try-on session at like a kind of cheap store where you're not only having to use your body to get into the clothes, but you're having to use your brain to figure out how you can make these really cheap pieces work for you. I love spending 20 minutes just trying to find two frames that match each other. I want wicker baskets on baskets on baskets that, again, I don't buy, but they just kind of add this je ne sais quoi next to all the velvet hangers. I, you know, I want to be inspired to, like, walk out of there having bought a few notepads, as if I use notepads. Something comes over me and I see a beautiful, like, peachy notebook with a gold pen and maybe a decorative stapler. And I think, wow, I could be that person that takes aerial photos of a flat lay of my office supplies. And just like a blogger, I give people the best tips for working from home. Only, you know, to take a sharp left down another aisle. Call me Lisa Rinna because I'm like, is that Tommy frickin' Hilfiger uh, with that pillow insert? Like, I need the pillow inserts that whose label you cannot see to be designer, like point blank. I just I love it all. It is to me a giant island of misfit toys. And by toys, I mean clothing and housewares. And it's where I thrive. And honestly, I haven't been to one in so long because I was like, Ugh, I only shop at Amazon. But following this quarantine, I am going to Black Friday doorbuster deal, you know, supermarket sweep shop till you drop through those doors and just throw caution to the wind and be like, you know what? I'm going to buy these shoes made by the brand Naturalizer. I I'm going to buy a comfortable, sensible pair of shoes by Aerosols and not be sh ashamed to swipe up. Life is too short, you know? And I can't wait for that moment. And I just wanted to share with you what I've been thinking about lately because I have my priorities, you know, in check, obviously. And I haven't had as much luck with clothes there in recent years. Embarrassingly enough, I've like honestly found more stuff in the junior section but again i have been watching too much tiktok and i'll be like oh that xoxo tie-dye crop top really seems age appropriate for me uh but what are you gonna do it's a lot of biz cash um a lot of biz cash i actually think a brand that does biz cash there's two brands that i think toe the line really nicely of having super steep discounted stuff that you'd almost associate with like a cheaper brand but also pretty high-end, like, streetwear. One is DKNY, also the manufacturers of a little fragrance called Juicy Apple. Smell that from a mile away. Uh, and one is Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein is perhaps one of the more intriguing because 
I, I don't know a brand that is such a 50-50 split of like, like they have really nice high-end runway stuff. They dress people on red carpets, but then also they have horribly ill-fitting clothing at your, you know, nearest Filene's basement, RIP. That doesn't even exist anymore, does it? Uh, you know? And I, I get it. That's the point of a diffusion line. Uh, we, the people, you know, millennials, specifically in the early 2010s, as I've said, essentially venture capitalists that funded the entirety of Michael Kors diffusion line when we bought all those watches. I just I don't understand because Michael Kors is the lifeblood of like the Marshalls. And I don't want it from a business strategy standpoint. I don't see how that's worth it. Michael Kors IPO'd and like made a killing off of it. If he's doing that well, then why is so much of his inventory at these stores? Because it can't sell the first time. You know, maybe I'm mistaken. The business models change and they make clothes for those stores now. But my impression was that they're heavily discounted because they were overproduced and they're not being bought anywhere else. And I get that, you know, happening for certain styles of different brands, depending on how different designs land. But if your entire brand is constantly overproducing, then like, what you doing? I, when I sold my mats at Nordstrom, I would regularly walk to the Nordstrom rack, almost in a masochistic manner, in fear that my products were there. Because I just didn't want to, like, be leftover inventory that they have to discount. But anyway, you know, for smaller brands, it affects your reorders, right? You need a sell-through to, you know, get another PO. Apparently for them, it's like they sell 5% of their buy. They're good. Who the heck knows, guys? Um, but the other funny thing about shopping at these stores, like, I do shop a lot. I, I'd say mostly now Nordstrom Rack because there's not, there's actually decent Marshalls in uh, Lakeview. Uh, and I don't ever go to TJ Maxx anymore, but I like shopping at these stores. But then like when, <laughs> when I kind of crossed over, for lack of a better word, into influencer territory, and I use that in the context of if I'm wearing something like, you know, you actually do get a bunch of messages asking for a swipe up if people like it. And it, it's kind of also like less about like the commission is honestly so small for a person that doesn't. If I did it all the time, like constantly, uh, it would be worth it to do it intermittently. It's not that worth it. I'd be a bad business person to not use an affiliate link. But also, I just think it's a nice thing to do to provide the link. You know, I think a lot of people complain about links. But like if you guys like something and I'm wearing it, like I'm always happy to. But the problem is, is when you shop at stores like this, I can't like link it because, again, it's a discount store. I probably found it in a bin. Like I it's just kind of embarrassing because I, you know, even with shoes, I would. I feel like, you know, for most bloggers, well, they're not necessarily hawking just like, you know, Gucci shoes, like high, high end. They, they're like low end is probably like a Sam Edelman, right? Like an $80 sandal. And they're like normal is probably a Stuart Weitzman boot, like a $400 price point, which is fine. If you have the money and that's what you want to spend it on. I support that, uh, especially in the thigh high days. I really loved a Stuart Weitzman boot over the knee. But uh, and those are very swipe upable. But like if I get a random, you know, brown suede booty from like the Marshalls or DSW and everyone's like, can you link your shoes? I'm like, ah. mm. <laughs> they are um, a little brand called Carlos by Carlos Santana, uh, just like he and Michelle Branch said, apparently when it comes to commerce, he also dabbles in a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Because he is now making faux suede ankle booties. And here's the link. You know, if they're still available. But like, it is a little bit funny to be in a position where I theoretically could have money. And even when I do, I just don't spend it 
in typical influencer-y, bloggery places. So like, even as I make more money, I don't think my stuff gets that incrementally nicer because it's just not where I'm spending. So when I'm asked for a swipe up and I'm like, um, well, my, uh, my, my top is uh, Eileen Fisher. Uh, my jacket is a little brand called London Fog. Jeans are a bit of a last resort. I don't know who makes them, but they do have white stitching. So please pray for me. Uh, and while my shoes are the brand Fergalicious, they are three seasons old because that's the current season at Marshall. So I cannot swipe up to any of that. But I did hear Madden Girl has a similar style if you want to, you know, get an investment piece. Like, nobody wants to hear that. So I, more often than not, try not to show full outfit, outfit posts. I'm, I'm mostly kidding. Um... I would never wear white stitching. No offense if you like white stitching. Kim Zolciak Beerman likes white stitching, and she's doing way better than me, so don't take my word for it. But it's not, I'm just not brand loyal to anything out of Marshall. So anything I have is a virtual hodgepodge. And I'm like, do I really want to be endorsing this? When people will ask in Q&As, like, favorite closet investment pieces, I'm like, does Franco Sardo count? <laughs> like, I don't bandolino I, I just i don't have like i have normal stuff uh, and i just don't think it's that inspiring so i'm sorry that i don't share more anyways like clearly crack myself up with these marshall's jokes honestly rent the runways changed my life I, I i used to buy way too much stuff especially when i had a salary and i've done rent the runway for like a year and a half unlimited with like their normal clothes and it's just perfect for me because i am a person that really needs novelty to like feel excited about what i'm wearing and to feel cute and confident and it's, it's a god-awful habit in terms of waste, especially if you're more in the fast fashion budget. And um, I just think it's a good thing to know about yourself. Like, do you, do you get satisfaction out of wearing something a bunch of times that you love? Or do you get satisfaction out of the novelty? For me, unfortunately, it's the latter as it relates to anything besides pants. Well, I guess with like tops, blazers, jackets, and like dresses for weddings and stuff, I, I love changing those up. Uh, and I love experimenting with like a pattern or a fabric or a color but i don't really i won't buy things that are more of a statement or more of a trend because i know i won't wear them for that long so anyways i just love it uh but please don't like get me wrong i'm not like snobby and i'm not making fun of these brands i just like i think they're fun i just think it's funny i've just grown up seeing the exact same things and i didn't really think about it until recently like why you know, isn't that a sign that you're not doing well? So why are these brands perpetually sold at these stores? I must not know how the model works. Um, but also, I think that, well, a, a couple things. And when I got self-employed and I realized how outside of a salary, how hard it is to make a good living beyond that, make a living that lets you invest and grow in your business or whatever you're doing beyond that make a living and be able to pay other people and beyond that be able to live well my entire concept of of finances got turned on its head and uh i think the plight of a small business owner entrepreneur whatever self-employed freelance person it's a rewarding path and it can be lucrative but it is at times feels very not worth it and it wears on you how easily other people make money and how you are scratching, like you are busting your ass to make a quarter of what somebody makes, just like calling into a conference call on Zoom. And it, you, and I would took it so much for granted. And I think that going through that phase and not being able to shop 
and then watching how people spend money is, and especially talk about it on social media and blogs. I understood how it looks as a person that couldn't afford to do that, even though I wanted to. And I would see things worn once then be sold on Poshmark or like I something called an investment piece. that just wasn't it like depreciates from the second you take the tag off or, you know, just spending needless amounts on tiny things. And even though they're entitled to it and it has everything to do with my insecurity, it just really I don't know how to explain it. I was never, it's never about them because I love following fashion bloggers and now I have more fun uh, watching how they style stuff. For me in the early 2010s, the reason I loved bloggers is because it was all about outfit ideas and not pieces. Now it's about pieces and usually either I can't afford them or it's not something I would splurge on. Um, And I miss the creativity of restyling your own closet of having more high and low pieces. And I think that being in both positions of where I had like a ton of spending money and no spending money in my 20s when I all I wanted to do was be spending money, I it kind of really changed my entire outlook and the way I spend and what I spend on because of like how I perceived clothing to be so wasteful during that time. And now like every, you know, $80 blouse from Zara, I think as like a, you know, billable hour. Like, it's kind of a funny thing where you start to think of money in terms of a trade off. And when people are spending a lot of money on things and you think about how long it would take you to get somebody to pay you that. And then you do like tons of work for people and they just always want to underpay you, especially for like writing gigs or, um, you know, anything creative. It's like I I am breathing into a paper bag asking for three thousand dollars to do something like pretty major that the brand will use for a long time. Um, and it's like pulling teeth to get paid, but then like Ariel Charnas has like a, a pashmina that costs that. And I just want to vomit. It doesn't have anything to do with her. It has to do with my life scenario. And that's what I think we have to remember about influencers. Like they're entitled to spend how they want. Everybody has different categories that they pander to. And there's a, there's a place for luxury. There's a place for mid range. There's a place for budget and they can all coexist and you can transverse categories. And we don't need to hate people that exist in one of them. But we need to acknowledge when we ourselves aren't in a place where we're going to be able to di- digest that in a way that doesn't feel incredibly hurtful and damaging to, as, in terms of being a needless reminder of where we are in our own lives and feeling, you know, behind. Because so, I just think that with any venture, with any major change, you're going to have to, like, if it's a positive career change and a bold one and one that you think will ultimately be transformative, you're going to have to take a step back pay-wise to take a leap forward. And if you can do it before you have a family, all the better. Uh, but it just really changed me. And ever since then, I've not been a huge spender on clothing, even though I definitely used to be. And uh, so I got a little bit back into, you know, the Nordstrom Rack, the Marshalls of it all. I got more into Amazon, which I know fast fashion isn't desirable. I'm just, you know, hoping to get in a place where I can be more conscious about uh, that. Uh, but also the most, the thing that is yielded less waste than anything even if i started buying from slow fashion brands only i still think that rent the runway unlimited is the absolute best and most effective way of ever cut waste in terms of apparel i just i i i love it and uh i the the having something new to wear all the time that's cute and high-end and makes me feel good without buying it is just a true dream can't recommend it enough this is not an ad they're not sponsoring this episode I do have a code. It's RTR8K. I think it gets you $80 off your first two months, but I don't even know if they're operating right now. But yeah, please no. No shade to Anne Klein and Kenneth Cole reaction in the gang. For me, it's more so a 
it's it's funny because for for some of the brands that have like 12 different offshoots of like it's like their name then their first name then their nickname it's like Steve Madden, Steve, Stevie, Little Madden, Madden Girl, uh, Sup Mads. I don't even know. It, or you, even uh, Kenneth Cole is like Kenneth Cole, Kenneth Cole, New York, Kenneth Cole Reaction. And then uh, uh, Lauren, Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren. Then sometimes it's Ralph Lauren. I'm like, when does a Lauren become a Lauren? Uh, there's so many different t- brands within the brands. And I'm kind of like, the jig is up. We we know we're not going to Marshall's, TJ Maxx and the like to you know get a steal on on name brands we know name brands are making super cheap clothing on purpose <laughs> that really doesn't carry the same panache of that of something actual you know actually of the brand but it doesn't matter it's just funny to me i don't mean to also diss calvin klein because i will say in my corporate days i used to rock some biz, biz cash and for the most part it was like a peplum super fitted like knee length calvin klein cap sleeved businessy get up with a really flimsy shapeless belt that was barely hanging on for dear life with those little string loops on either side and i was 23 in a way too high up position and i in my head i was like i want them to think i'm super old like 30 so therefore i will dress like you know the uptight i don't know paralegal in like a cable drama and uh hope for the best they really they really do wonders for your figure I can't even, I don't even know a world in which I wear, wore things that are like midwaist belted anymore, you know, but I graduated college though. I wore those dresses because I looked super svelte because I lost a ton of weight because I didn't realize in college, like it's not normal to have a personal pan pizza as like an appetizer and then to go to the Chick-fil-A for your main course. And when you stop playing sports, it it shocks the system that to me, the freshman 15, yeah, it's a little bit of the unhealthy eating and you don't really cook for yourself yet in the dining hall buffets and whatever. But I think for many people, they don't realize their calories in calories out or it's a very different situation when you're not playing sports anymore. And then to exercise, you have to actively go to a gym, which blows. So, you know, I, I long story short, that's why I felt like I rocked Calvin Klein uh, waist belts uh, back in the day. And also, Virginia Tech had the best food. It was ranked like best food in the country at one point. And I don't regret a thing. I'm so glad I enjoyed it while I was there. And I don't care what I looked like. I, I made a decision long ago. I'm not going to live 360 days of my life for the five days that I'm in a two piece, if that. Uh, I'd rather just enjoy myself and on the beach be like, Neh, this is the best I can do. My hopes were always higher than my torso was longer. It's just like there's not, there really isn't a lot I can do uh, in the torso department. And it's kind of in accepting that it's made me, I don't want to say give up, but just be more realistic about, you know, what I'm ever going to bring to the table ab wise. That was like a solid 20 minute detour. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I was trying to tell you, I bought a pair of pants at Kohl's. I bought these LEA jeans. Let me finish my story. Um, And actually, first, let me thank my second sponsor, and then we will have no interruptions. I'm so excited for this uh, because I think this is really important right now. It is Skillshare, and it is a online portal of classes you can take on the spot where you can explore new skills, deepen your passions, get lost in you know creativity, try something new. Uh, and basically, Skillshare is an online co- learning community where millions of people come together to take the next step in their you know creative journey. There's thousands of classes, uh, including you know illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, in all the you know creative aspects. But there's also a lot of the business component of like finance and operations and marketing. And I even 
I typed in podcasting. There was like 500 classes about starting a podcast, what equipment to use, what, how to edit an audition or GarageBand and all the stuff that I truly spent months teaching myself. And I live by the, the concept of somebody can tell you in, you know, 20 minutes what it would take you 12 days and like 50 browser tabs to figure out. I don't know. So at a point, you got to figure stuff out yourself and uh, you can't always be asking for people's time. And it's stuff like this that's that are incredible resources uh, in terms of just I always just want people to start. I think everybody sits on their ideas for way too long. But with this, you're not at the mercy of like a class schedule or some formalized process. So it, it you, can, you can modify it to fit your actual life, but also have a you know, an element of structure to yield some legitimate growth that sometimes, you know, doing things on our own time and confusingly trying to navigate things we don't really understand don't always do. And I just think that the early stages can be really exhausting of how much you don't know and therefore de-energizing. And I just want people to try this and to really see if they can bring some of their ideas to life, especially while we have some downtime. You know, I love specific. Like, this is a class title. Dark and moody food photography for Instagram success. Visual storytelling with emotional food photos. Yeah, sign me up. How do they do it? Every time I try to take an artsy photo of my burger, it just looks like food. You know, I I need it to look like artisanal food. You know, I want to elevate the experience. For real, though, the classes, I'm actually going to take a watercoloring technique class. Most of my artistic skills are self-taught, and I'd love to sharpen myself with some technique. I also want to take an illustration class because I can draw okay, but not well. And I'd love to illustrate my own book someday. The list goes on. There's so much, I mean, there's so many marketing tools from like how to be an influencer to how to document on Instagram to, you know, really optimizing SEO. Like though all of those nuts and bolts of, of every single trade, if you're starting a business, you have to do yourself before you can pay people. And this is just such a great way to quickly get the basics down. It's a great resource. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I legitimately am. I, I've really, ever since I like left formal school, I've had such so much more fun learning. And I think I don't, I'm not alone when a lot of us like almost wish we could go back and appreciate that format a little more when your job was to just be a sponge, you know, it was magical. Anyway, guys, explore your creativity and get two free months of premium membership at skillshare.com slash be there in five spelled like the show F-I-V-E, not the number five. So that's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash be there in five. That is two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash be there in five spelled just like the show be there in five is. And like, let me know what you guys decide to take. I I, I want to take them, too. I'm I'm really excited about this, and I hope it leads to a lot of people exploring uh, more of their passions in life. Thanks. OK, so, yes, the pants, the LEI jeans I bought at a Kohl's that fit me like a glove that I talked about 30 minutes ago. Uh, those pants are notable because, um, well, they turned on me. Uh, in eighth grade, I danced in a talent show. This was the year 2000. Nope, it was actually 2001. I was in eighth grade. I think it was springtime. Uh, there was a talent show. And since we were about to graduate the eighth grade, we wanted to leave our mark on our middle school. So, uh, Eight of us, my friend crew, decided we would choreograph a dance and try out for the talent show under the um, 
uh, moniker the International Ladies of Mystery. Now, Austin Powers was very popular at the time. Independent Woman, Women, Part 1 by Destiny's Child had just come out. Uh, and also Charlie's Angels with Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore was wildly popular in ways that Kristen Stewart's never will be. We all went to the New York and Company. We bought different solid color T-shirts at the mall. Everyone had to pick a separate one. You know, when you were thinking Roy G. Biv, that's seven. There's an eighth, right? Uh, strangely, I ended up in Coral, which is not part of Roy G. Biv. But it's like be there in fives colors. And um, I guess I've always been drawn to a uh, more orange toned pink. You know, I'm also drawn to a more orange toned red as it relates to lipstick. But anyway, sorry, that <laughs> what you are hearing right now are wrappers from Smarties. Yes, I am actively eating and actively bought the official candy that you give away to your parents or your sibling. And you act like you're being generous, but really you weeded out all the Halloween candy you do not want. And what you do not want are typically smarties and almond joys and mounds no offense to the i know they have some big fans out there but i'm just like who is going to the drugstore being like oh the kids are gonna love this and buying freaking mounds i'd sooner uproot all of my orthodontic progress at that point and eat a bit of honey you know freaking circus peanut like are you trying to make me have a bad night but i'd really challenge all the adults of america to give smarties another chance i always thought they were like oh what a boring candy that nobody wants when actually they have a tartness similar to that of a sweet tart, but a little bit more mild. And they're small and palatable, and you can like just crush one pack in like 20 seconds, and it's just satisfying. It's, it's, it's a nice light candy I don't feel after, uh, awful after eating, unlike the huge bag of Airheads I bought before the quarantine, which I just feel like the white mystery flavor is the original secret project, you know? It's like, it's never, it never turns out to be as exciting as you think it's going to be. It's all the exact same flavor. And it's a shtick they've done for 20 or 30 years. I mean, honestly, I kind of respect it. But, oh, yes, th there's a rapper. That's why I started talking about candy. Um, I just talked so fast. Not really trying to. I think I just am, you know, it's like I, I'm excited for the company, even though I can't see you. So, yeah, I get my shirt from New York and company, all eight of us. We choreograph this dance that can only, that can best be described as like, uh, the level of age-inappropriate thrusting and body rolling akin to that of the mean girls jingle bell rock where people are both entertained and uncomfortable and during this dance i go down to the floor and almost do like a frog type motion i can never i need to see which song it was to so there was a it was a med, it was a four and a half maybe five minute long dance way too long um it was a it was a true masterpiece medley straight from Napster. It was it started with the Austin Powers theme song, then went to Independent Women by Destiny's Child, then went to Unbelievable by EMF, then Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice, then Butterfly by Crazy Town to pick an instant classic. I mean, it's like Zeppelin, Crazy Town. Hard to say who is more iconic. Um, then Dreams He Loves You Not, of course, my favorite part of this medley. Then uh. Naturally, we close out once again with the Austin Powers uh, theme song. But, you know, the transition from Dreams He Loves You Not to Austin Powers is, of course, yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in between Unbelievable and uh, Dream He Loves You Not, my pants split when I went down. And I don't mean a small split. I mean, like, top to bottom, 
like completely, I felt them like break in half when I went down. And I, you know, I was in eighth grade. I was 13. I was wearing full seated bright white underwear. And um, I did not know what to do. I was mortified. You can hear people laughing in the audio. Uh, I had to modify the rest of the moves. So I didn't turn around, but I still turned around a few times and I thought I covered it up, but I definitely didn't. You could just see like a white blur. Um, in the home video, I have the home video. I'm going to post it. I'm going to reclaim this narrative in eight. Like truly there's no worse time this could happen. And I feel like I had recently gone through a rebrand and I was kind of gaining popularity, but this really set me back. I have never, I've never like, I've never had my face feel that hot. Like I'm a very pink person. I just was like on fire. So embarrassed, ran out of the building, like died. And I feel bad for my parents, too, because, like, I don't think I really talked to them about it. But talking to them about it now, they were like, we did not know what to do. Like, my dad just kept filming. <laughs> but thank God I have this artifact. My mom was like, I couldn't really tell you nobody noticed because, like, you, I, you did notice. And I, I just, oh, God, I don't even remember how I bounced back from that. Um, but needless to say, you know, here I am now. And hearing about jeans and thinking about the, that fresh LEI pair that I'm not even kidding you. I had my grandma patch because I loved it so much. I don't know what I was thinking that if there were ever a time to milk my parents for all their worth, it's to tell them that it would make me feel better if they went and got me a fresh pair of muds. But if my memory serves me, my mom didn't like mud jeans with two D's because they typically had a splatter print handprint on the butt, which why is everything for like in the juniors section so suggestive a la Abercrombie? It's kind of unbelievable. Quote EMF. I We'll put the full dance on Patreon. I will put the part where my pants split, hopefully, on Instagram. Uh, it's a good time all around. But anyway, I was thinking back, you know, because I feel like I, I don't know. It's tricky. I feel like I talk about, like, the 90s a lot. And then I'll talk about kind of my teen years in, like, different spurts that are never, like, that chronological or clear. And I talked about mall culture, which is largely kind of around this same time. but. I really think like when I look back on specifically this kind of turn of the millennium time, it it's kind of funny because that the, what we're going through right now, it just feels like, uh, is the world ending or like, what's the deal? Uh, you know, when you're like bad days or you're, like moments when you can't sleep, you're just like, damn it. When I was at Christian camp, they kept, you know, making me read revelations to spook me. But maybe I should have paid more attention. I, I, it just doesn't all seem normal. Uh, I'll side note, the like extreme Christian YouTubers like really do think like, I mean, it's just they're they're insane. I rage watch them. I don't like recommend it because I don't want them to get ad revenue. But like if it would heal your soul and help you during this difficult time to rage watch some extreme beliefs. I highly recommend super uh, conservative 20 something kind of hot Christian couples that didn't kiss until they got to the altar. It's wildly fascinating. Uh, but the turn of the millennium with Y2K was kind of like a time when people felt like they didn't know what was going to happen. They felt really uncertain and didn't know if the world was going to end. And I remember being so scared of this. And I had a subscription to Time for Kids. I watched Nick News with Linda Ellerby. And they were all talking a lot about Y2K, in addition to, you know, other hard hitting news like Elian Gonzalez, I, unlike Meghan Markle, who took matters into her own hands, contacted Nick News to take down Procter and Gamble. I just sat in bed and like cried in fear of these scary things. You might have seen on Instagram people diagnosed me online as being an HSP, a highly sensitive person. 
which many of you said, I thought you knew that about yourself. And I'm like, well, if I said I was highly sensitive, I think I just meant that as like run of the mill adverb adjective. You know what I mean? And it's funny because I just look back on my life and yeah, there's just so much that tracks there. One being, and this all came up because I just was trying to watch Euphoria and it was so, it was too dark and I didn't sleep. I wanted to sleep. I like an all-nighter, but not an inadvertent one. And I just like, it was something about it like really bothered me. And I was just like, why am I 32 years old? And I cannot watch dramas, police shows, fire shows, medical shows. I cannot watch somebody be sexually assaulted. I cannot watch a drug-induced downward spiral. I can't watch anything like with crime uh, cause it, it doesn't leave me. I absorb it and I take it with me. And I just have always thought I was like emotionally stunted and immature, but there's a reason for this. Sign me up. But, uh, one of those things being, I remember Y2K as kind of being a time that I thought the world was going to end. And I was hyper aware of it, not only because of my time for kids and my Nick news, but my dad also was like head of IT and like operations of this for a pretty big company. And uh, Y2K was like his life, like planning for it, mitigating the risk of it, trying to like make sure, like, even though they had no idea what was going to happen. And I asked him today, I was like, remind me what the deal with that was. And he said, computers were built and programmed in the 1900s with only a two digit field for the year, IG 87 or EG 87 instead of 1987. It was unknown what would happen with the two digit field in the year 2000 and beyond when the two digits like 01 for 2001 was encountered by the program. So most computer programs had to be redone to accept a four-digit year field. There are a lot of date calculations in programs. In retrospect, a big and costly undertaking whose importance was over-exaggerated. But since no one knew what the impact would be, the work was done to fix the code. So I just feel like we talked about it a lot in my house. And like it just seemed like this impending doom of like everything's going to come crashing down. I was probably the most worried that I wouldn't be able to use AIM anymore, let's be honest. But um, I was almost comforted by the thought of like, a time when we looked into the unknown and catastrophized it, made it worst case scenario and planned for worst case scenario and then came out, you know, better off or, you know, perhaps we prepared adequately and everything moved on fine. You know, even though these situations aren't comparable and health is not the same as computers, what people thought would be the implications on the economy of Y2K were like a big deal. And um, so part of me is just like, even though this is awful, we don't know what's on the other side um and who cares if there's coulda woulda shoulda like oh this was overhyped exaggerated which i don't think it's going to be but if it is like who cares like it's always better it's a plan for the worst hope for the best right uh so while these situations aren't that comparable i was just kind of thinking back on my fear at that time and thinking about okay if i without isolating things like abercrombie shirts or like whatever uh you know bath and body hand sanitizers which jokes on me for not continuing that hobby into my adulthood i'd be making a killing right now well actually i'd probably only i was always stuck with like country apple and and it was always the only one in the bucket that's why i had to dig through those barrels but like i laugh thinking about even like doomsday preppers you know trying to build their kits out that are hoarding all these supplies they go to bath and body works they're like we only have country apple hand sanitizer they're probably like nah i'm good it just was too folksy you know you need something sexy like cucumber melon or you know it kind of had an air of mystery like juniper breeze like what the hell is that i my signature scent was moonlit path my sister loved um oh what's it called freesia it was musky it was perfumey i i also you know i, I can if sun ripened raspberry is tolerable as we've as we've discussed sensual amber was a little bit much for me when i was 13 though now 
color me intrigued. Where was I going with that? The jeans talk took me back to my favorite pair of jeans that I love so much that I, I, I repaired them and still wore them despite them turning on me. And I was exactly 13. It was the turn of the millennium. And I was just kind of like, like, have I talked about teen years and like, like some isolated things that I think of when I think about like 2000 through 2005, I went to high school in 2001, graduated in 2005. These four years culture wise were absolute perfection. Um, I mean, when I was roughly 13, when I became a teenager, it was kind of a magical age because one, I could see PG-13 movies. Two, when you became a teenager, you could read teen magazine, uh, not 17, not Cosmo, maybe Cosmo Girl, though it was still scandalous. Yet YM Young and Modern was the true perviest of the pervs. Uh, but teen magazine was a solid middle that I qualified for. This is also the time I, I, I experienced a major transition from like end of eighth grade, freshman year in high school to senior year, like major transition. Because uh, at the start, I was still kind of in the era of like, I thought that my, you know, stick straight, mousy mane of hair, it, it, you know, it was meant to be Carrie Russell levels of gorgeous curly locks. If only I had the right bottom shelf LA gear hair gel to scrunch my hair with. I, scrunching is not a verb I hear much anymore. That's kind of funny. You know, everyone just used to scrunch their hair. I know people still do, but nobody talks about it as as, as much because it's like you have curly hair or you don't. But the, at that point, it was kind of like everybody was just attempting to no touch. Truly, I, I have my dog tethered to me like I'm a tree and this tiny office is a backyard. Uh, I was talking about scrunching hair. Yeah, I think that we all thought for a moment that cur like curly hair was not a product of like jeans. It was a product of just like effort and like scrunchability and, you know, strongness of hold as it relates to like the bright blue or fluorescent highlighter yellow LA gear hair gel. And um, I just cannot even believe that I went full on Captain Crunch with my hair scrunch. It was scrunch. It was crunchy. It was crispy. It wasn't wavy or curly at all. I would put my hair in two French braids, like, you know, probably before picture day, thinking I'd come out just being a regular Daryl, Hannah and Splash. But really, it's that like finger in a light socket look that nobody you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yeah, this is my natural hair. Like I just, you know, air dried it today. No, you actively looked in the mirror and were like, give me Miss Frizzle or give me death. Uh, it's not a great look to ever show up to school looking like perhaps you malfunctioned, you know. But I feel like prime 13-year-old me when I wasn't in my New York and Company coral top that I definitely got a lot of mileage out of for those $18. Uh, I was usually like, I, there was this brand somebody reminded me of recently called Energy, E-N-E-R-G-I-E. -E. I don't know if it still exists. It's kind of like the token like maker of solids as it relates to like shirts in, in trendy cuts, I'd say in typically under $15. And I don't know if it was Target or Kohl's that had it. I'm going to say Kohl's because I think Target at that time was really thriving on exhilaration prior to the Mossimo era and, you know, different, more juvenile, more trendy than their like Morona line. It was a big deal when Short Pump got a Target. I remember when it was because the first time I went, it was actually soon after a church lock-in or at least one of the first years it was open. Um, and 
I, on my way back from it, I heard Christina Aguilera's What a Girl Wants for the first time. I need to check out those dates to see if my memory's right. This was an era where like funky stuff thrived and like super colorful pattern. Like, I don't know. It, it was just kind of like the start of like funky 2000s where like it kind of Mandy Moore's vibe and candy with her, when she has the headphones on. And she has like those spiky buns or Christina Aguilera's Speak of the Devil, you know, with her zigzag parts. Zigzag parts were all the rage. Um, as it relates to home decor, though, the most the the absolute uh, symbol of this time is the Todd Oldham dorm line that he sold at Target in their home goods section long before Magnolia Home, long before Isaac Mizrahi came and did clothing collabs. Uh, really, Target didn't do their higher end collabs till probably like 2009, 2010. I went to like the Zach Posen launch. Oh, my gosh. It was in New York. It was at some I feel like it was at a warehouse. One of the people from Gossip Girl was there. I, I've never, I was like, I'm living. Oh my God. Like New York, New York, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Cause I am 99% sure Ed Westwick is here, you know, which is kind of sad and retro. Isn't he creepy now? But uh, I just remember really feeling like I was living. And I think I got a free Zach Posen for Target dress. That was fun. They see, I feel like so many people are very jaded by events and stuff but like i had i love stuff like that i think it's so fun and exciting to be a part of something that's like new and launching and to meet people there you know i just am never exhausted by an invite to those things if i can't go i can't go i just i hope my career gets to a place where i'm annoyed by the number of places i'm invited and like i hope i'm complaining to you one day about having too many places to be you know it's been a few years and that hasn't quite happened yet i definitely get more invited as time goes on um, you know, it's kind of like it's it's an old Irish proverb. It's it's kind of like may the nicest piece of furniture you have today be your basement furniture of tomorrow. I always want to come from a place of what I have right now is wonderful, but I do hope it's the worst thing I have in the future. Cause what a great starting off point, you know, if I'm already pretty satisfied. But yeah, I don't know. I this was an era too. I was reading a lot of magazines. You know, inflatable furniture, lava lamps and the like were thriving. Uh, I wanted it was there was a an air of advertising and marketing to, you know, preteens and teenagers at that time. That was very much like your space, your place, girl zone. And it would just be like a girl talking on her phone in an ad, like painting her toenails, looking like surprised and ditzy while wearing like layered spaghetti strap tops and like really platform shoes. And I was like, that looks so fun. Uh, so therefore I need everything taught Oldham by Target, even though it was for a dorm, it was like funky and cool for your bedroom. The way I felt about Todd Oldham's line for Target probably was me walking through the aisles, like as Dakota Johnson and Architectural Digest, you know what I mean? It's just like, wow, these, this is a butterfly chair. I love that the base is wire. And what I think is so fun is that the cover of the butterfly chair is vertical rainbow striped made from actual containers of zebra stripe gum, not the tropical kind, the classic kind, with primary colors. Speaking of primary colors, I love limes. Like, I just, like, I love limes. And over there, that's a halogen lamp with three bendy individual lamps on the metal stick lamp, one for each of the iconic members of my family. The one on the left is my grandmother, Tippi Hendren, you know, who's feeling a, a little triggered right now, uh, seeing as you know, the the photograph I have in my house of her with her, you know, Siberian tiger in her Shambhala compound. She feels like, you know, that the reveal of that piece of art has been largely overshadowed by another uh, popular name in the big cat world of that of the Tiger King. 
In the other primary colored lampshade, you might say it's Working Girl because it represents my mother, Melanie Griffith, who is super famous now and then, and also has an iconic role in the movie now and then. That wasn't even like a good Dakota impression, but I am pretty stoked about the three. You remember that three-pronged bendy lamp? They had like cone shades and there was like blue and yellow and red or like pink and purple and green. And uh, they were like, I thought they, I thought those were so effing chic. Anyway, I feel like um, as it relates to denim, because obviously that's a riveting podcast topic. I, when, you know, you were, when I was in middle school and like early high school, we were still doing, you know, Abercrombie, American Eagle, Air Pastel, a lot of like Kohl's, a lot of, you know, it's like the scandal was, you know, how many at our school, the dress code was you had to have three fingers, put three fingers together. And that had to be the thickness of your tank top. Of course, the slurs of the world will wear spaghetti straps with, you know, bra straps showing. And that was a time when slut shaming was not only alive, it was also well. And those girls would just get sent to the principal's office left and right and did not care. It ha- When it happened to me, I was my life was over. I just thought it was like a junky, dope-smoking dropout from D.A.R.E. because I got sent to the principal's office for shorts being too short when I had long legs. As I said once, I'll say again, not all femurs are created equal. Tall people had a hard time with dress codes. Um... You know, you add a pair of rocket dog platforms to that. It just makes me look like Stretch Armstrong and it never really worked. But I there was a time when we, we you know, we we were wearing a more budget friendly jean, um, a department store jean. We were more so in the LEI, uh, mud, Paris blues, XOXO. There's something with an M like Ma- Mar- Maven. I forget what it's called. Uh, I feel like a lot of people will reference Jinkos, but only... There's a very specific subset of our school that rocked a Jinko. They also would rock a short sleeve, all black, button down, probably like a middle part and a Sean Hunter haircut, which actually would crush it now. Maybe a chain necklace uh, and a propensity to listen to like Godsmack. It wasn't super popular at my school. I feel, what am I, maybe like, no, I was just going to say Bugle Boy. No, Bongo. Bongo is also kind of a popular jeans brand. I think they were a little bit more expensive. That's a funny thing about, like, dudes' clothes, too. Do dudes remember the brands they wore in, like, 6th or 7th grade? Like, and think about it as fondly as we do? Like, oh, my God, remember bum equipment? Like, no, nobody cares. Um, But then, like, moving into high school, it was way more about the designer jeans. And these were so, like, it was maybe late high school and college. Um, all of a sudden you're American Eagles with just like the basic, you know, one thick stripe, one thin on the back pocket weren't enough. They didn't brand you as the, at the price point you wanted to be, to be like on the same line as like the popular girls. Uh, we graduated from no pockets to pockets being like your handbag or your shoes in terms of status symbol. Now I feel like people look at handbags and shoes and jewelry, whatever. I don't really notice. Um, I, I kind of just look at somebody's overall like vibe. I'm like, you have style and I'm into it. And I don't really like always separate things out. But again, I don't I don't buy a ton of handbags and shoes. They don't really do much for me. Um, but at the time, it was kind of like you didn't have a handbag because we didn't have stuff. We were young and, you know, shoes were limited because you couldn't have open toed shoes in school. And they were like funny about heel height and platforms because they didn't want the liability. Probably, you know, wearing your 
uh, rocket dogs and uh, you get tangled up in a rogue pair of jinkos. You'd go flying down a set of half stairs on your way to French class. We talked about this on the uh, Patreon live. Kelly was Spanish name was Calamos and Esperanza Mercedes one year and Calamos one year. Don't think Calamos is real. I think she just said combined Kelly with like a Spanish suffix of some kind. Uh, I was Eve as in Eve uh, because I loved the song Let Me Blow Ya Mind and her tiger paws. Uh, but also, I I think I, I, I want to say I missed the day we picked names or something. And at one point in French class, Fatima was the only one that was left. And I remember the kids making fun of me because the first three letters were fat. And like, honestly, kids are mean and awful. Like, that's so stupid and rude. Also, why don't we just go by our names? It's just funny to have a name in another language. And what do you do in Latin class, you know? But when I th- when I think of like the moving into the designer jeans era, I also like I'm obsessed with kind of the uh, enigma or the vibe of what is like the token, you know, middle class, upper middle class, suburban popular girl of the early 2000s. I completely forgot to shout out Rothy's earlier. They're a sponsor of this episode as well. I was initially going to break into two parts, but we're just going to do one long one this week instead of two separate episodes. Rothy's, uh, what they, they want people to know, especially during these unusual times, that they hope to, to brighten your day with beautiful, sustainable products and um, content. And they, they, they as a company are so ethically responsible and aesthetically pleasing and a brand I've really come to know and love. and. They make stylish, sustainable shoes and bags made for life on the go. They're carefully crafted crafted with eco-friendly materials like repurposed plastic water bottles and marine plastic. I've talked about before, like, I think the craziest thing for me is how comfortable they are in terms of, like, a loafer sneaker, which is what I have. I have the Chelsea boot in the leopard print, which I feel even more confident in now knowing, you know, the prestige of the big cat industry. Uh, They are incredibly comfortable with zero break-in. And that's what's big to me is that lack of like heel rubbing period you inevitably have to endure usually. And they have so many different styles to chew to choose from. Um, they come in a bunch of different colors, prints and patterns, and they're kind of constantly rotating all of the different styles. And uh, one Yahoo editor recently called them the most comfortable flats they've ever owned. It always comes with free shipping and free returns. And they are fully machine washable, which I actually love, too. Um, they own and operate their manufacturing workshop they prioritize sustainability every step of the way and it will ship directly to you in their box without unnecessary packaging it's a great company and i want to as i've talked about support companies who are doing great things in the world especially during this time when we're being more careful about where we're spending our dollars and these are definitely a good long-term sustainable comfortable purchase check out all of the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash be there in five spelled just like the show that's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash be there in five. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash be there in five today. But when I, th- when I think of like the moving into the designer jeans era, I also like I'm obsessed with kind of the uh, enigma or the vibe of what is like the token you know, middle class, upper middle class, suburban, popular girl of the early 2000s. I was so fascinated by popular girls. And I feel like by like junior, senior year, I definitely was more popular when I stopped playing volleyball and like started hanging out with a different crowd and just like only fed off of male attention and kind of became a shitty person for like 18 months. 
Um, my, I was still very like innocent and didn't really do much my freshman, sophomore, early junior year because I like when you play a serious sport, there really isn't time to mess around. Therefore, I will have my kids in serious sports. Uh, I you can't do like two a days and intense after school practices and like tournaments on weekends and like mess around. It's just not possible. But so then I kind of like sat back as more of an observer and like I just I don't know all the popular girls had like the 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 names of boomer children right like the names we all have my Facebook group is a who's who of Ashley Brittany Jessica's Jennifer's Melissa Whitney Lindsay Rachel's Jordan's you know maybe not Jordan there was a girl that I went to school with named Jordan who was super beautiful and she had curly hair like Jordan from Sorority Life, which I think worked for her brand because people were very into curly headed Jordans. And I remember her moving, like making a full transition to being super popular. And then I became incredibly intimidated by her. OK, I <laughs> this is so specific. I remember it so vividly, though. In seventh grade, one time I sat at a different lunch table with the popular kids. Because I think I had like third or fourth period with one of them and we were kind of friends. And I remember that girl came up to me afterwards. She was like, oh, so you're sitting with the pops today? And I remember thinking, that's a ridiculous abbreviation for popular people. And it stuck in my brain because when I hear words I don't like, I can't forget them. Uh, it's, we had this conversation on Instagram recently with like, you know, would you up and leave a date if somebody you know, said they had to tinkle. You know, I don't like when people say that use the little boys room. I don't like, you know, the gee golly willikers types of goofy uh, curse word substitutes that just, I don't know, in infantilize somebody. I, there's a million things I could get into, but the pops, I just, I can't. Uh, that's a funny thing. See, I just, I don't remember things until I hear myself say them. Anyway, anyways. And all the popular girls had those names. They definitely went to the tanning bed. They had the heart on their lower hip. I got to the tanning bed eventually because I lied about my age. They, I, they came after me and put a major ding in my credit history because I lied about my age to be allowed in the tanning bed without my mom's consent. And then I gave them like my life history. Like, how did I even know my social security number then? I'm not sure. But like somebody else drove me there. I signed up for what I didn't know was a month to month automatic debit package with my first debit card. And they kept just like forever extracting more and more money from my account until my mom put a stop payment on it because she was like, you didn't sign up for this. And I was like, yeah, totally. No way. Like, how did they get my information? But like I signed up for it. So, yeah, definitely hurt my credit history. And uh, I but I was obsessed with how the girls would use the stickers. And at a point it went from like the super crunchy um, scrunched hair to like stick straight, cheese straightener, like your the the front of your part is just straight alfalfa with fried uh baby hairs and the like because you just keep those clamps on a little too long every day because if there is there's never crimp in sight it was straight 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 avril lavigne or bust a lot of people moved from middle parts to side parts at this point that was a big part of my rebrand in high school was a sun in which made my hair blonder because my hair is a lighter mousy that does bleach with sun and chlorine so I was fortunate enough to get sun in before I would have ever, you know, afforded or been allowed to get highlights. Um, but also I was it was kind of timely because by the time I was a junior senior and Laguna Beach came out, we were all rocking short, shoulder length hair and a swang, a side bang, a la Kristen Cavallari, because we wanted to be like that bitch, uh, even though none of us were. We would never wear be the only person wearing a white tube dress at the black and white party. God, no, it's, that's it's reserved for the town bicycle, if you know what I mean. 
Do you remember when LZ and co were like, ew, I cannot believe she wore white to the white and black and white party. It's like, well, you only it's a 50 50 chance of white or black. Relax. I thought that dress was so cute. And I think I. I don't why I feel like it was from White House Black Market, which is one of those tiers of mall stores that are a little nicer. They didn't really mess with like I would consider art and be in that kind of category. I'd put um, cachet in that category. It's like almost a, it's like in a level of expensive that it doesn't need to be. Uh, but if you already have money anyway, like it's cool to shop there. You know, cachet was where uh, wealthy people bought their homecoming dresses. Prom dresses were usually bought from like a random boutique and that was downtown and every town has that token place where um their whole shtick is that you have to register what dress you buy so nobody can be wearing the same dress as you, God forbid. So ridiculous. Uh but Cachet had the yellow satin number from how to lose a guy in 10 days. So whoever snagged that first, I mean, you're gold. You are the the Andy Anderson of the Night Under the Stars prom, a very original uh, theme that no one's ever thought of before. Please keep in mind that, like, I know all this is so insular to, like, middle-class suburbia. Um, you know, to be fair, I think that's mostly my demo uh, of people who grew up in it. But also, you know, I'm speaking from a place of, um, like, kind of how I observed it from the outside, not necessarily what it really was. Like, to me... I can like type almost typecast and group everything and everyone like there were a handful of cars like token popular cool girls had in high school. You had like a sportier SUV like a Jeep or Forerunner, but typically a Japanese made mid range sports car. You know, like we're not talking a BMW Mercedes, but like a Mitsubishi Eclipse. You know, like that was fierce as hell. The most popular girl at my high school, her parents surprised her at school with a banana yellow Toyota Celica. That is some BDE right there. That That is that is the type of lore that popular girls are made of. See also Volkswagen Jetta. The Volkswagen Jetta is a very token high school cool girl car. Um, and a lot of people had them. In fact, my first time, the only time I've ever actually rear-ended somebody I, I hit somebody's red Jetta and I still feel awful about it. And her mom majorly underquoted the damage and didn't take it up with insurance. And like, that was so lucky. And meanwhile, I didn't, I was just like, can I go to the pool? I was so just, I, this is, halfway through junior year through senior year, I literally look back and shudder, like hate myself as a person. I just like, can't even, um, but the other, I guess like other hallmarks of popular girls then were very thin eyebrows. Probably drank some Mike's hard smearing off ice vibes. Um, they were either a cheerleader or played soccer and there was no in between. Like they were kind of like cool and low key. And, you know, like there's a difference between the type of like cool and popular. That's like everybody wants to be friends with you and you're hot. And like the kind of more bubbly cheerleaderly cheerleadery involved type of popular hot. Um, and I just feel like for some reason, all the very cool people played soccer um i didn't i never made soccer all of my friends played and i wanted to play because i wanted to be on their travel team because i felt like i was missing all the inside jokes and truly people laugh about fomo now but fomo then was so awful because not only would your friends have like the funniest had to be their stories they would have inside jokes that would last eternity and if you weren't there you were essentially exiled from the group you were a sporty spice you were the one no one wanted to be but yeah i mean i guess between my sophomore and junior year that's when I first did sun in and switched to my side part, started feeling myself. 
junior to senior year, I got a side bang. I started, you know, dressing more questionably, got a job at the CBK that, you know, I want I feel like it paid, I, I want to say it paid at least $10 an hour. And I got a, a free up to $12 meal with every single shift. Um, and I was just, I was eating full pizzas like several days a week and not exercising at all. Anyway, I guess I'll just keep going. I, I, I know I'm talking a million miles a minute. I just like, I feel like a tugboat. Like I have all this pent up energy I don't know what to do with. Um, but I, I, I ate a lot of pizzas. Then I started shopping way too much. My obsession was a place called Steinmart. I don't know if people know what a Steinmart is, but they would have clearance jewelry. I'd buy statement jewelry. My shtick at the CBK became I would wear a new necklace every shift. And that was the only way I got the waiters and waitresses to talk to me. They were way too cool. I was in high school. They were in their 20s. They all smoked in retro. They were definitely like they were always like acting really wacky. And they were kind of mean to me in terms of like how I'd seat their section. And I realized that these statement necklaces became conversation pieces. So I had this extensive neck, like statement necklace collection, mostly funded by the Steinmart or the Hex. That's another department store um, that I would get on clearance because they were actually ugly. But at CBK, we had to wear all black and they actually kind of worked if that was your only statement. So it kind of became my thing. And also up until that point, I've only I wore like preppy, bright and I had never, ever put on a black shirt and black pants, which is now my uniform. And one of the first days I worked there, this server that was kind of cute came up to me and told me that black was very becoming on me. And A, I had never heard somebody like phrase it like that. And I was like, huh? But then I realized he was like complimenting me. And then I kind of in my head, I like, you know, was calibrating this compliment. And obviously I solely was fueled off of compliments and, you know, barbecue chicken pizzas at that point. but. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I will wear all black for eternity. <laughs> like, that's how seriously I took attention from boys, which is so sad. Uh, and in retrospect, again, these people were sketchy, but I just am a person that just wants whatever context I'm in, I will work hard to be liked. And um, yeah, so I'd wear all black. And then I started incorporating more black into my wardrobe and I would wear my statement necklaces. And I have a great picture of even how my statement necklaces carried into my college apartment. I use thumbtacks, put them in my wall. And had them all on display, even though I never wore them. And I almost think it was so overboard that that's why I don't really wear a lot of jewelry now. Point being, jeans. When we graduated from, you know, American Eagle was expensive enough as it is. And then we kind of, you would outgrow the junior section and like be more into women's. People started wearing, uh, you know, to quote my hump, seven jeans, true religion. Uh, I say no, but they keep, what is that song? That song's weird. Honestly. If I never hear the term lady lumps again, like R.I.P., like I hope it is more Dunzo than Kristen Cavallari's Zuzu. But yeah, Seven Jeans, True Religion, Citizens of Humanity. Um, I feel like, like I don't, Paper Denim and Cloth is coming to mind, but I don't really know why. And I think that's like maybe a later one. I feel like Lucky was popular. I actually do think the buckle jeans were like they were probably $80 a pop minimum. Even though it was a mall store, not a designer that was over $100, um, as we all found out as a unit on Instagram one night, they did apparently pay their sales associates to tell you you looked like a model and you should model for them. And some people, they'd let model in the window. But really, it was just a sales tactic because they worked on such a fierce commission structure. And literally, that compliment of, well, A, you know, black is becoming on me. And B, that I looked so great in jeans, I should model for the buckle. Those compliments carried me well into my 30s. Like, just like, I, you know, I've talked about before, like I... 
and Mario Kart ran over a star like dun, 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 dun. like that's, that's how I feel when I get compliments or when I was younger and more insecure. And I just was shocked that I went my whole life thinking I could be a jeans model. and <laughs> It was just a sales tactic. But a lot of you, it was so funny. So many of you had the exact same experience. But I think the difference is like a lot of you are probably a little younger than me. And in when designer jeans got introduced into my ethos, it was largely because of celebrities in the same time that like Kitson was really popular. Um, like, you know, team Jen, team Jolie vibes. Uh, this is when we still liked Catherine Heigl as a society. Things were different. And um, celebrities were starting to popularize things. And it girls were, you know, like this is kind of Paris Hilton's heyday. Uh, you know, and Lindsay Lohan and Hilary Duff and Misha Barton and uh, these kind of like starlets that were going to a lot of like gifting uh, suites and also doing red carpets and like hideous lace tunics with, uh, you know, crystal bedazzled designer jeans. And I mean, I fact checked this on the Internet because I was like, I feel like sevens are the first thing that came on the map. Obviously, now I know that there's, you know, like page and frame and jaybrand and joe's and mother and ag and like there's all there's a bajillion different denim brands but like uh, and on my radar was pretty much just seven for all mankind and citizens of humanity now for both of those you know given that they are denim jeans for over well over a hundred dollars a pop are they for all mankind are you a citizen of humanity i think not Let's stop putting these altruistic names next to a capitalist venture. I'm not opposed to it. It just doesn't feel right to say seven is for all mankind when really there's a very high price barrier to entry, especially with those goddamn A pockets. Now, it's one thing if you even got to the threshold where you could afford a fresh pair of sevens that just had an elegant boot cut that met a flare, not an aggressive way that lifted your backside somehow mysteriously despite the rise of the jeans somehow being even lower than my self-esteem that required for me to spend all of my hard-earned money on this one pair of denim um it, it they really did look good and they really did actually make a difference and i think designer jeans are a funny thing of like i'd actually argue that they're better i don't know that i'd argue their price point but in terms of the amount of wearability you get out of them and how much better they fit it is hard when you go shopping with your friends. You're like, yeah, let's totally try on some jeans. And like trying on jeans in and of itself is an emotional roller coaster. It's the clothing version of going to an Ikea. You go in with such hope. You come out feeling discouraged, flustered, and like you have a lot of work to do. You know, well, first of all, the, the name refers to the belief that every person should own at least seven pairs of jeans, which is... I mean, I definitely do now. I don't know if I did back then. But, like, it, it'd be one thing if you got your hands on the, you know, standard pocket with, like, the two lines that actually were kind of similar to American Eagle's back pockets, which were flattering, but, like, larger pockets and not really my jam. Um, true luxury came in, you know, the, the, when we got to A pockets. The intercom system of the house is the A pocket to the denim in terms of, it's just a subtlety that makes you realize mm, you got a, li a little bit more money than the rest of us. Why? Because, you know, just like every, you know, dreamer of dreams in 2003 to 2005, all you wanted on your back pockets was a 
and full of Austrian fake diamonds known as Swarovski crystals that nobody ever needs on anything ever that I honestly still don't understand. They're not, they're not, whatever. I'm not going to get in Swarovski. <laughs> I just like, I think like the, the branding surrounding something that's like actually not that valuable is really interesting, but like, isn't that high fashion? I guess it's all just fabric. Uh, but anyway, what's also interesting is that citizens of humanity was so seven for all mankind, the two greatest charities of our time. Uh, was founded in the year 2000. Citizens of Humanity was founded in the year 2003 by one of the founders of Seven for All Mankind. Makes sense. Kind of a uh, bumble Tinder situation, except, I mean, Whitney went endured horrendous things to uh, get to the place of Bumble, but oftentimes something's greatest competitor and, you know, something that might supersede it is an offshoot of a situation not working out with employees at the, the company of origin and that is why we have people sign non-competes anyway i'm really hung up on the of humanity thing um but now it makes sense that he would be involved with sev, sev, seven for all mankind uh and upon looking it up i have a really definitive sentence about their contribution uh, in terms of humanity in that uh this is claimed by some that a portion of the proceeds are perhaps given to charity what a sentence <laughs> Like, like, so no, they're not because you know who wants you to know that they're doing something charitable? Everyone. They incorporate it in their marketing. It's, it's just, you know, what brands do. And I'm going to say they're just using the humanity word to sound cool. I could only wear citizens of humanity. Sevens were too short on me. Um, and I also thought they had smaller pockets with like a little bit more of a lifting and rounding vibe. Uh, and even though they maybe weren't as noticeable as a Swarovski crystal A pocket, I noticed they were there and I spent so much money on a pair. I mean, like it's, it's kind of stupid when I think about it, like, cause now I'm not, it means nothing to me what the back pockets look like. Like I'm on a, I'm almost fully on like a Levi's train, uh, mile high, super skinny jeans. I love ASOS high rise, fairly jeans with ripped knees. I like made well with all the buttons. Um, and uh, what other jeans do I really like? I mean, I love the egg old jorts, but not the long jeans. And I think that's like the majority of my jeans selection. Most of mine are, are Levi's mile high skinny. I need a straight leg, a decent amount of stretch, a high waist, a lifted backside. <laughs> Your backside's going to shine like the top of the Chrysler building. That's such an old timey word. We got to this point where our pockets became kind of symptomatic of our uh, social status, of our socioeconomic status, of, you know, how good your butt looked on a given day. It really just kind of took things from like Old Navy Gap to like, to today's terms, thirst trap, you know, it was attention seeking in, in all the right ways. Um, and as we move further into high school, we've got the jeans that really matter. Um, we've got, you know, the shirts that never meet the low rise point of your gene, resulting in a perpetual whale tail. If you were a person that went the thong route, which I think a lot of us did convert in the pocketless jeans era. Uh, if you're lucky, you had a very tiny purse, um, kind of going, you know, ranging anywhere from Vera Bradley, because for some unforsaken reason, I also had to spend all my CPK money on a quilted 
cotton fabric bag that had a bunch of bumblebees on it because that's chic like what i told you in my newsletter i, I have a thing for, i have a thing for my girl i just i don't know maybe i wanted to commemorate thomas J. uh i don't know i don't have a bee allergy like he did but i don't even like bees so i don't even know why i would buy that but it was really expensive and uh that was kind of like an at my high school at least like entry level then you know you move up a notch and it's like i guess well i feel like that's a big skip to coach but i guess it would be coach the most i ever really i got a tiny purse once and i got a wristlet that i wore like all through college i thought it was a louis vuitton um and then like from coach the couture was virtually dooney and burke right marissa cooper like it was the closest thing to that, like Louis Vuitton bag Jessica Simpson got with the white leather and the colored LV logo, but it was like Dooney and Burke. And now Dooney and Burke is like, I don't know, it's less like CNBC and more like QVC. The hardest I've laughed in a long time, a friend from childhood came to my Nashville show in the morning after. I had no voice. I was so tired. I was just like drained. And we sat on the couch and just like hysterically cry laughed watching a Dooney and Burke QVC demonstration. It was so strange. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's why, you know, it's like the best of friends you cannot see for 15 years and have the best time doing absolutely nothing. What a joy. I was kind of trying to see if I could like. Ex so I brought up jeans at the beginning and I knew I was like, I actually only have experience, like really have anything to say about two brands of jeans that were on my radar. Uh, even though there's like so many nice ones. And I know like, we, you know, you can talk about designer jeans, but I don't feel like there's that much that interesting about it, except when they came on the scene in the 2000s and just kind of like, you know, the notion of spending a lot of money on them, what they did for your backside. <laughs> I got to stop saying that. And for your social status, you know, it just kind of became a weird thing. And then from that point on in life, there's like the token status symbols of an era, whether it's the Vera Bradley or the coach or the Dooney and Burke or the Longchamp or the Uggs or the North Face Denali jacket. Uh, I feel like up until 2010, there was always like the token thing that you needed to have to like be a human to operate in your like middle class suburban group or like your college sorority. And again, I know this is not everyone's experience. I just mean like a... Uh, you know, this is what of what I saw from my own experience. This is when I why I crowdsource a lot of stuff because I'm like, I, I'm I'm narrow to what you know. I to Virginia Tech, a football school. It's like, you know, it, it was just a sea of Uggs and North Faces, uh, and at night, patent leather peep toe pumps and going out tops in like below zero weather. And we just for some reason didn't need jackets in college because we got so drunk before everywhere we went that we virtually had no nerve endings, I guess. Um, even just like a loose-ish tunicky halter top over a slightly baggy boot-cut jean with a patent leather pump, you know, with your hair, just the front bangs back and a clip like LC. It's like, oh my God. It, we thought we were such hot stuff and we just, oh, we're not. <laughs> I collected photos of like listeners and going out tops at one point. A few of you guys sent them to me and they make me laugh so hard. I was going to incorporate them in my live shows. Then I realized I didn't want to do that without people's permission because not everybody covered up their face. And I needed to know who you are and who your friends were so I could cover up their faces. And then I just got flustered and confused. But at the very least, it did make me laugh really hard. And I knew you guys would uh, really pull out all the stops in terms of having, you know, some of the best of the best when it comes to you know, double wrapping a necklace over a lace and like almost crush crimpled. I don't know, like a crepey material of a long 
spaghetti strap tunic with a lace top and a lace trim at the bottom with a shrug with like a gaucho pant i mean i'm truly proud of how far we've all come (laughs) i actually think i'm gonna wrap up uh one thing i want to get to that i'll do on another episode because i don't want to cut it short but i don't want this to go over two hours people said in the facebook group they're listening to much less podcasts given the situation the the, it's a little counterintuitive because i was kind of like oh i'll do two episodes like i want people to be kept company but like the numbers for everybody in the industry, like aren't there. And we have numbers to like me for advertisers. So now I can't before I was in a position where I was like, I can kind of split it among two episodes and I'll still do a Patreon. I just don't know if I can do two regular episodes if the if this is in a time when people even have time to listen. So I need to figure that out. I don't mean, to overpromise, under deliver, just being transparent with you, like uh, they take a while to make an edit and produce and we have ads slated for them. And if you don't meet a number, you have to make good on the ad. and whatever. And, you know, I'm once this we move on from this, I hope things will be back to normal consumption wise. But I don't blame anybody who who wants to listen to me talk about jean pockets on a loudspeaker in front of their family. Also, I cannot believe you guys listen to me on a speaker. I know people listen to me in a car, but please don't put your family through that. Like headphones. Headphones are your friend. I only listen to myself in headphones. I cannot put it on something louder that would potentially echo and carry down the hall because half the things I say are so dumb and weird out of context that like I just I don't know and there's this other funny thing people do where they tell me they tried to put it on a speaker but their husband was like turn that off it's the worst thing I've ever heard and they think I'm gonna laugh and be like yeah I know it's not for guys but like it kind of hurts my feelings people say this to me all the time they're like oh I tried to play your podcast and my dad my mom my brother my sister was like what the fuck and I'm like okay fine they didn't like it what not a good story uh but you'd be surprised and this is directed to nobody in particular but literally um or i'll get tagged in insta stories that kind of say this like haha can you believe i'm listening to this and uh <laughs> and sometimes i like i don't care obviously it's very weird to be listening to a dipping sauce podcast but it is funny uh to determine like what you do and don't have like a sense of humor about like where you get touchy with your own stuff you know but here's the thing. I don't really care because the the best thing you can possibly be doing, especially while numbers are down and advertisers are pulling out. So this job is not super secure, uh, is sharing, telling your friends, especially if this episode is anything relevant to things people you grew up with or friends with now would be interested in. Talk through a lot of fun, nostalgic things. If anything, if any if if anybody, you know, shops at a Marshall's, give them give them a send. I hope the title of this episode isn't like insensitive. Uh, I actually thought of it without kind of connecting it to our situation but then i was like well maybe that word is top of mind because of our situation you know but i don't know never hurts to put a fun twist on uh something not fun whatsoever and yeah if you could share on your insta stories and tag me if you're private send it to me i can't see it if you're private uh if you tag me in a story i i truly make it a priority before i go to sleep even if i can't get to dms i'll go and see who's sharing and um like at least react back because i just i honestly am so appreciative unless you're private um but yeah rate review five stars if you can we have a lot of fun stuff on patreon we're going to do another live happy hour crowdcast thing it was really fun it was actually like three and change hours long all in the first hour was like the most fun and like the first hour and a half probably but we lost it because i got booted from the chat and then it wouldn't let me join my own chat but literally everybody stayed in it and the 40 minutes i was gone from my own live function people just stayed there and chatted it was so awesome this is why i love you guys uh 
and just waited for me to come back because they know where to be. I was like, this is so wild and I'm so appreciative. And anyways, if you go to Patreon to see the recording, I don't, I, it, it maybe lasts in perpetuity. I don't know if it expires. It might have a password on it. I don't know. I got to figure that out. Um, you can watch some of it, but most of it was cut out. And uh, yeah, anyway, I hope you guys will go to patreon.com slash be there in five for more bonus content. Part two of the babysitting episode is on there. And we're I'm working on the signs podcast. It's a little like heavier and I want to take a little bit more time. Um, it's not something I'm just going like, to ramble off real quick, like talking, trying to convince you to buy Smarties. But it'll be a great change of pace that I promise is uh, uh, more uplifting than it is heavy. Anyways, I, I hope you guys are hanging in there. I know we didn't really talk about the situation much, but, you know, I sometimes I think it's better to just take a break. Take a breather uh, and, you know, please let me know feedback wise, like what's best for you, what keeps you company. I'm just trying to figure out if like the second episode or like replacing it with something on video or like what's the better route? Um, because, I mean, my job is here is largely to entertain and keep you company. And I totally completely understand there are areas of your life where you don't have time for this. Uh, but if you do, I want it to be in a way that's adding value and doing something different than other people are doing. And I am always open to hear from you. You can always reach me at podcast at be there in five.com. Uh, follow me on Instagram at be there in five. This is, am I doing to hawk anything else? I have a book, twinkle, twinkle, social media star. I don't know. I don't care if you buy that right now. <laughs> um, just to take care of you and yours, share the episode. If you feel like it, I so appreciate you being here. I hope you had a nice time. I hope you forgot about life for a minute. I know I did. Uh, I was so excited to talk to you. I just talked a million miles a minute and um, it, it was therapeutic. So with that, I'm going to leave you with a song I referenced earlier that I haven't heard in a while that I'm not sure I love, but it's a throwback nonetheless. So anyway, as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. I swear.